Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. That's pretty good. Good morning, Thrive. There we go. That's it. We're church in a gym. You can yell. All right. We're so glad you're here this morning. Uh, and I, I hope you are as excited as I am for our guest speaker. I'm back next week. We'll continue talking through the book of James. Um, and I've been loving this series. So if you're not, well, I'm in charge. I'm sorry. You know, it's, I'm kidding. But I am. No. <laughs> um, so uh, next uh, next week we'll get back to that. Uh, this week a very special guest speaker and a dear friend is sharing. Um, we did yesterday. We did a prophetic roundtable. Uh, there's yeah about 25 of us came. It was an awesome time. Powerful. So Ted and Melody Gary are dear friends of ours for um, going on probably 20 plus years. And uh, so if you don't know who they are, I will tell you, um, they live in Madison, Wisconsin. That is where my wife is from, where I spent many years in full-time ministry. Uh, They have graduated and traveled all over the world teaching at different Youth with a Mission YWAM bases, uh, and still do. Also uh, helps co-own a chain of health clubs and numerous other business ventures that I don't know anything about, And, uh, and, and is... If you live in Madison, you know the church community in Madison, I would argue, is really, is in, in, for the U.S., one of the tighter I've seen. Uh, it's really pretty cool. Um, the, the pastors all know each other. Most of them are friends. Um, and, uh, and, and every pastor in the city knows who Ted is and respects his ministry. God has used him and both of them to lead dozens, if not hundreds, of people to Christ just in the workplace uh, not, not including church life, um, has seen many people baptized in the things of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know, if you're like, this church is louder than some other churches, and that person was on their knees, or a lot of people had their hands up, like they had a question. We love Jesus a lot, um, and uh, we believe he's worthy of all we have and all we've got, and that's it. Do you have to do it? You don't have to do it. Relax. <laughs> Uh, nobody's ever going to force you to do anything or believe or move. The Holy Spirit is kind, is a gentleman, and he'll, he'll do those things in your life if and when you're ready, okay? But we just love God a lot. That's it, okay? And so one of the things we believe in here is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they're all through the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 14, 13. Keep, look, read through them. You'll see. So we believe those are active today. Uh, he moves in them um, especially well, especially in the prophetic, um, and just a great man of God. Not only that, they're dear to us at the worst time in our life when our fourth son passed. They took us into their home. They were in the ER with us. They took our whole family into their house for two weeks, and then I think he was done. Do you remember that moment where it took me back to my house, and I was like, yeah, 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 and uh, I was like, man, I don't know if I could do it, and it, the, quietly it was like, yeah, but you have to, right? <laughs> In just the Ted way that he can, where I was like, 
he's trying to be nice, but I also know, like, all right, <laughs> it's time to go. Uh, and, and abundantly more, but uh, their friendship, their ministry, they're just amazing people of God, and you're going to love the message that he brings. So please welcome Ted Gary. Well, good morning. So I just want to, so the Bible says, confess your sin one to another that you might be healed. Um, so I have a confession. There's like this pride rising up inside of me. And um, I just need your help because we're all followers of Christ. If you kept beating the ladies at Euchre last night, what would you do with the pride? I mean, how would you handle the pride? Like over and over and over again, winning and winning and winning. What would you guys do? Really close. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> right. So, guys, I am an encourager. I'm not a pastor necessarily. I'm not necessarily a preacher. Um, I'm a decent communicator. And what I love about the ministry that God's called me to is I don't have a title. And so it allows me to just be a part of various different things. Um, I always love coming to your church in particular. It's a, it's a unique, um, it's quite unique. I see so many hands at work to bring together a community. And it, it's just amazing. Your worship is over the top. Um, every ministry that I see actively going on is really powerful. So I just want to say as a a person that's been to many, many different churches. You guys are super cool. Your leadership is over the top. Um, I don't know if you know how gifted these guys are in comparison to others. They're just good at everything. And uh, I'm sure they have a few faults that I've never come across, but <laughs> they are godly leaders that love you well. And so I just want to say thank you for letting us be a part of your community today. This is my beautiful wife, Melody, and I said yesterday, she is the reason that we keep moving forward because she is strong and she is a confident, tremendous wife and mom. We celebrated 30 years uh, about a month ago or so, a couple months ago. Well, you know, when you stand in front of people, you have a little bit of a, a guideline from the pastor as to what possibly you could speak on. And so yesterday, I think we had a tremendous time with the prophetic. Is that right? Anyone disagree? All these people disagree that are clapping? <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I just wanted to be clear. So I just think that, as Brian said, your community, your church here is a people that believes in the full gospel, and that's to be those that worship him in spirit and in truth. And, and so I just want to lay another subflooring, a foundation once again, um, is to what I see as one of the most important things as it relates to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to move into the prophetic teaching just a little bit more. Uh, for us, guys, the Bible asks us to fulfill the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is to go into all the world. So Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Go into all the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I'll be with you always. And so we talked for a moment about some of the traps of the enemy. And one of the biggest ones is comparison. 
right? So we just, we mentioned yesterday, um, I don't want to thank you guys for showing up for that meeting yesterday. I hope, I hope you were blessed. I thought it was really powerful and awesome, but thank you for taking your Saturday to be there. We are called as people of God to fulfill the Great Commission. This is our calling. This is what we're called to by God is to advance the kingdom of God and to be people that bring the word of God into all the earth. And sometimes we compare ourselves with other people, like they're, they're more gifted, they're more talented, they're more charismatic, their personality is better than mine. Um, what God is looking for is the one, like the call of Isaiah, God is looking for the one that would stand in the gap, where God is looking upon each one of us and simply saying, I look for one that would stand in the gap. And there was one that said, here am I, send me. This morning, guys, would you be the one that says, here am I, send me. I want to lift something off of you this morning. We have an option. My, my new bestie, Tony, and I were talking again this morning. And uh, there's sometimes in Scripture where you have to choose, right? There's sometimes where the topic of love, we can express love in many different ways. But there's some things that are very black and white. And we have to choose. We, we can't be on the middle, the middle ground, right? The worst place to be is to be in the middle of things sometimes, right? You know when you, it's just the middle ground can be super difficult. So let's say you're a young person or an older person and you have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the church, Honestly, guys, it's the most miserable place you'd ever want to be. It's either you're all in one or you're all in the other. But to have one foot in one and one in the other is absolutely, unbelievably miserable. And so I want to talk to you this morning about something called the fear of the Lord and the fear of man. And this is a small portion of what I'll share with you because I was asked to speak on the prophetic. But as we talk about character yesterday... We talked about the gifts are given freely by God. They're, they're um, given by grace. So we remember Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you've been saved. Um, we know Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness. And so our salvation has been given to us by grace. And in addition to that, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given by grace. You'll never be good enough to receive gifts from God because the, the um, scale of what is good and what is not good and, and all of those things is, is very varied. So God gives good gifts because He's good. He loves you because He is love. It's not really based on our ability to perform um, to be performance-oriented people that are doing things for God that he might love us more. The reason this worship team is so anointed is because they understand the importance of being in his presence before they step on the stage, right? This isn't performance-oriented. I can tell you something. As somebody that grew up in the church, has been to many, many churches, this is not performance this is people that worship in spirit and in truth. They've been on their knees before stepping on this stage, 
and they're people of excellence. This worship this morning is excellence. It's not performance. It's not people trying to figure out how can I do better for God that he might love me more. Everything that we do, God, guys, must come from a place of knowing how much we're loved by God. We operate in the gifts based on a revelation of his love for us, not to, not to express the gifts first that he might love us more. So as we were talking this morning, there's an option here. You can either fear man or you can fear God. There is no in-between, right? There's no options in between. You can't partially fear man and partially fear God. It's just one of those definitive principles in the Word of God. Joshua said, choose you this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so this morning, I just want to challenge you by asking you, do you fear man more than you fear God? Or do you fear God more than you fear man? Because it is the fear of the Lord that will cause you to step out and walk in great levels of obedience. Amen? Amen. Now, we find it exciting when we hear about people that travel to the other side of the world. And I mentioned yesterday, you know, Melody and I go to Africa, and the, some of the stuff about the tribes here, we've also adopted a, a tribe in Africa, and it's so exhilarating to be a part of that. But, you know, if God is asking you to go across the street to your neighbor and you're unwilling to do that, you're really not walking in obedience. So, guys, stay in your lane. Don't compare yourself to other people. Simply be obedient to whatever God's calling you to be. But please step out of your your comfort zone and begin to advance the kingdom of God because I'll tell you what, time is short. There are still millions and millions and millions of people that have not heard the gospel even but one time. And you're like, well, how is that possible with the internet? Well, you have to take a trip to the tribal communities to start with. Um, Many, many tribes throughout all of Africa, they've never heard the word of God the first time. And Jesus and his goodness and his kindness is, is, is tearing and not returning. He will return one day in the twinkling of an eye with the sound of a trumpet. But in the moment, he is so merciful and so gracious and so kind that he is waiting for every tribe and every tongue to hear the word of the Lord and to hear the name of Jesus. Amen? Now, you guys are super quiet, so you either don't like my shirt this morning or this is such great teaching that you're just absorbing it like a sponge. It's the second one. That's what I'm talking about, Andrew. That is what I am talking about. So guys, we can either fear man or we can fear God. And when we fear man, we fall under a trap. It matters to me more what other people think about me than it does about what God thinks about me. This is called the fear of man. Some of us have fallen under the fear of man all of our years. We just are more concerned with what other people think about us than what God thinks about us. We wouldn't quite say it that way, but we desperately want to be on our knees, let's say, in worship, but everybody's worshiping, everybody's watching. 
you know, one day you'll stand before Jesus. This isn't judgment or guilt. My true, my true propulsion for you is I want us all to advance the kingdom. I want us all to preach the gospel, to lay our hands on the sick and see people recover. I have a passion to see every one of us in our spheres of influence go into all the world and touch one life at a time. I mentioned this yesterday. There's a, there's a young woman at the health club that our family owns, and she simply asked the question, have you always been a Christian? And I'm like, all right, here we go. And I just shifted into second gear because she had watched my life. Somehow she knew I was a Christian. And I just, I took some time and I just led her to Jesus. Young Catholic woman, um, really believing in all the things the Catholic Church and very devout to the Catholic Church. But she knew she was missing something. See, guys, for each one of us, for each one of us, when God created us, he left a hole inside of us that can only be filled by his son, Jesus. Right? For every one of us, no matter where you go, no matter what you've tried, you may have tried drugs, you may have tried alcohol, um, inappropriate sexual relationships, whatever it might be, um, God has forgiven you. As far as the east is from the west, he remembers your sin no more. You're covered in the blood of Jesus. The cross of Calvary is sufficient for you. Amen. So let's talk about the fear of the Lord, what it is and what it isn't. If you turn in your Bibles with me to Isaiah 40, verse 12. Isaiah 40, verse 12. This is the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is required to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, fear is not like what you would think it is. Um, it's not intimidation, right? We're not intimidated by God. We stand in holy reverence of a, of a loving Heavenly Father and a king and a righteous judge. He's all of those things, guys. He's a king, not just a king, but he's the king of kings. He's a father and he's a good father. And he's a righteous judge. He is also a righteous judge. And we need to repent before a righteous judge and ask mercy at times in our lives. Right? Even to go to the courts of heaven and just ask God, forgive me for my sin once again. As a righteous judge, I approach your throne room and I ask you for mercy once again. So Isaiah 40, verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Guys, we must understand the majesty and the magnitude of who God is. He holds the whole world in the hollow of his hand. I know we did this yesterday. If I could do this again, please put out your right hand. In your right hand is what's called the hollow of your hand. Not just the palm of your hand, not your fingers included, but this is called the hollow of your hand. I bet you and I could put a couple of drops of water in the hollow of our hands. The Bible says that God, the creator of the ends of the earth, holds the whole world in the hollow of his hand. Do you think you have a problem where he's not the solution? The creator of the ends of the earth is a problem solver, a way maker. Brian, I feel like I want to sing. Is that going to be all right? <laughs> he is so kind, but he said no. 
<laughs> I know the look in his eyes. He's like, it's your time, but he's actually saying no. His loss. So this, this scripture is just speaking about the holiness of God, right? He is the king. Now, for some of us, we've been on the throne of our lives too long, right? We're sitting on the throne of our lives, and I know that our good heavenly father is knocking and just asking, is it possible that you could step off the throne that I might step on the throne of your lives? Because when you accepted him as your savior, he's also your Lord. You know, when we talked about that dividing line where sometimes we have one foot here and one foot here, some of us have accepted him as our savior, but we've never accepted him as the Lord of our lives. It's the part about being a disciple, right? To be disciplined by God in love. I don't think I'm telling you stuff you don't know. I just want to remind you that sometimes we're, we're in one camp and not the other, and that's appropriate. Sometimes we need to choose. So the fear of the Lord is, is certainly understanding the holiness of God. Romans 12, verse 9. Romans 12, verse 9 tells us that we are to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. This, to me, is the essence of what the fear of the Lord is. It's not being intimidated by God, but it's simply saying, I'm going to hate what is evil, and I'm going to cling to what is good. And I choose today to do that. I choose to cling to what is good and hate what is evil. Psalms 111, verse 10. Psalms 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Amen? Guys, I got to tell you, I feel like this is even better preaching than Brian Bauer can do. <laughs> can I hear an amen? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's just a joke. What did you say? <laughs> You're right. Okay. So the fear of the Lord is an awareness, an understanding that we are in the presence of a holy and just and almighty God. You see how we can pull away from the fear of man when we have a better revelation of the character and nature of who God is. We begin to understand that the fear of the Lord is an awareness that we are in the presence of a holy, just, and almighty God. Psalms 111.10, to step back. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. You remember from our Christmas cards and the Word of God, He's a wonderful counselor, He's a mighty God, He's an everlasting Father, and He's the Prince of Peace. Guys, if you need peace, you don't go to counterfeits. See, the enemy will give you all sorts of counterfeits to bring you peace. Guys, if you need peace, you go to the Prince of Peace. You need counsel. You walk into the fear of the Lord. You have your life be such that you love the fear of the Lord. And you need wisdom and counsel. You go to the wonderful counselor. You have fear in your life. You go to the mighty God, the mighty God, the God that oversees and holds the whole world in the hollow of his hand. He's a mighty God. 
and he's an everlasting father. You have a broken place inside of you because your father abandoned you or left you with emotional baggage. You go to your everlasting father because he will never leave you or forsake you. Amen? To fear God is to desire to live in accordance with his standards. So if you're note takers, the fear of the Lord, number one. The fear of the Lord is an awareness that we are in the presence of a holy, just, and almighty God. Number two, to fear the Lord is to desire to live in accordance with his standards. See, guys, there is a generation that believes that they have a truth, and they use terminology that says, my truth. Oh, but that's not my truth. And I just want to reiterate and say once again, if your truth is not this truth, then it is not truth. Amen? I just want to tell you, a lot of people stand and applaud when I say that, but I know every church is a little different. (laughs) If your truth is not this truth, it is not truth. That's why we go back to the Word of God. That's why we renew our minds through the Word of God, because if your truth is not this truth, it's not truth. All right, the fear of the Lord, number three. To fear the Lord is to honor God in all that you do. To fear the Lord is to honor God in all that you do. Who are you in the dark? Who are you when no one's looking? Who are you when you're out of town? Who are you in these various places? To fear the Lord is to honor God in all that you do. Psalms 86 verse 11 says, David said to God, teach me your way, O Lord, and help me walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. This is a requirement to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You cannot simultaneously fear man and operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit because you walk in such levels of insecurity that it's, it's difficult to, to even... You know, you want to pray for someone that's sick that's in the hospital, but you're so fearful you you can't even show up at the hospital. And then when you get there, you talk for an hour about everything that's comfort talk, which is, is valuable. However, they need your prayer. They need you to lay your hand on the sick and see them recover. I am calling you to a place of greater boldness. And as we mentioned yesterday, one of the best ways to receive a greater boldness is according to Acts 1, verse 8. It says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. If you need boldness, you need the baptism into the Holy Spirit because this is what happens. You become emboldened by the Holy Spirit to fulfill your calling. And it is a, it is a, um, a way to put the fear of man under your feet. We as followers of Jesus Christ, we desperately need the affirmation of God. We don't need the affirmation of man to be our primary focus. What we really need is the affirmation of God to give us all that we need because one day each one of us will stand before a holy God alone and will be accountable for all the things that we did for him that lasted. 
right? It'll be an awesome day. We'll be rewarded for all the things that we've done for God that have lasted and have not been in vain. But we don't want to be tripped up by this thing called the fear of man. Proverbs 22, verse 4. True humility and the fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and good life. The fear of the Lord will help you lead to riches, honor, and long life. What is humility and the fear of the Lord? Humility is actually when you say who you really are. You know, sometimes we have this thing called false humility where we're sort of degrading ourselves and sometimes stepping back and suggesting that we're not really who we are. Humility is giving glory to God for how he made you to be. This is called true humility. You know, to sort of self-deprecate and, and um, just sort of put ourselves down and say, well, I'm not really this and I'm not really that and I'm not really, is really not giving glory to God. Scripture says, give him glory in all things. And so we want to be able to give him glory in all of these things by being men and women that walk in humility. It's perfectly fine to say, this is who God made me to be. To be. This is what I do. This is what I've done. And I, I share that with you for his glory, for my good, but for his glory. These are aspects of the fear of the Lord and walking in humility. So what are a couple disciplines that would help us walk in the fear of the Lord? What are some you know, we talked about salvation, that he's our savior. We talked about how he's our Lord. Well, the root word of being a disciple is disciplined. Even when he disciplines us, he disciplines us in love. But the whole Christian journey is about following the principles of the word of God and being discipled by the word of God because we are his disciples. And so number one, what are some of the principles or disciplines that I can follow in order to walk in the fear of the Lord? Number one, consider God's creation. Consider God's creation. When you look out this window as we leave the church, it, it would have to be difficult for you to suggest that there isn't a God. If you have ever seen a baby born, you'd, you'd, have, to, you'd have to find it difficult to believe that there isn't a God. This isn't always the case, but somebody says that I'm an atheist or I'm an agnostic. Uh, you may or may not agree with this, but no such thing as an atheist. The Bible says the truth of God is known to them instinctively. Romans 12, verse 1. The truth of God is known to me instinctively. So when people say, well, what, what about the tribes in, in this place? And what about the the people that just don't understand or they're animistic or, or they're Muslim. When God created us in his image, he left a hole in each one of us. Whether you're Muslim or Hindu, whether you're a Buddhist, he left a hole inside of each one of us that can be filled by his son Jesus. And the word of God says that his presence is known to us instinctively. There's no debate on that. This is what I found with a, a person that says that I'm an atheist. Usually when someone says they're an atheist, there's been an early death of some kind. There's a common denominator with atheism. Yes, it can be intellectual prowess. It can be intellectual, um, you know, desires that are, are humanistic. 
but there is a common denominator, and quite often someone that says that they're an atheist is someone that has had an early death. They were a little girl, their mother died. How could a good God do this to me? They become an atheist. But honestly, guys, there's no such thing as an atheist because the truth of God is known to us instinctively. So Psalms 8, verses 3 and 4, I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars you have set in place. What is man that you should think of us, mere humans, that you should care for us? So number one, when we, when we try to look at how can I walk in the fear of the Lord, it's simply to say, let, let me look at the creation. Let me look back to the creator. Let me recognize the magnitude and the majesty of who he is as a creator, that he made the world in seven days, on six days, and on the seventh day he rested. Number two, have regard for the word of God. Rightly divide the word of God. Hide his word, hide his word in your heart that you might not sin against him. Have regard for the word of God. People that fear the Lord love the word of God. They renew their minds with the word of God. They listen to teachings on the word of God. They are regularly in the word of God because they see this as truth. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man will come to my Father but through me. So have regard for the word of God. Begin to understand his nature and character. The nature and character of God is simply to say, this is who God says he is, and this is who he says I am. All right, there's two aspects to who God is. One is the nature and the character. Just give you a little tip, because we're under such warfare and in different places in our lives and where we travel, and, and you guys are under warfare, like the enemy wants to rob and steal and destroy. The way that you overcome the darkness is you take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, number one. But when the enemy comes to lie to you, you must understand the nature and the character of who God is. This says that I understand conceptually from the word of God who God says he is. Right? This is the nature of God. And the nature of God are the attributes of God that only he can attain. But then there's the character of God. And this is for another time, but the character of God are those things that we can attain by spending time with him. When the enemy comes to rob and steal and destroy, you can take that thought captive, but then you go back to the word of God and you remind yourself who God says he is. And then you remind yourself about who he says you are. And there's no, no debate anymore, right? Because the darkness has to flee. We as followers of Christ, sometimes we're, we're enamored by the, the demonic, the dark side of things. We're kind of like, ooh, and we're, we walk in a dark room and we're like, who's the guy that can find the boogeyman in this room and for Jesus? <laughs> and uh, Brian, you know who those people are, like you and Ange. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, guys, just walk in a dark room and turn on the light. Because when you walk in a dark room and you turn on the light, all darkness must flee. Prayed for hundreds of people to be delivered from stuff. Um, I've been through my share of stuff. And, um, and I love it. And there's an aspect. Like we take up our swords and the spirit and the shield of faith. And we, we come against the enemy. But there's sometimes where the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shoe shod. This is some good stuff, you guys. 
uh, the shoes shod with the gospel of t- peace, take up the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith. Having put on the whole armor of God, stand firm against the wiles of the enemy. So there's times when you walk into a dark room, you stand firm and you flip on the light. In all darkness has to go. Amen. Second Timothy, Second Timothy three, verses sixteen through seventeen. Um, when we talk about having regard for the Word of God, says. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. This is, this is not a, a gray area. This is black and white. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So this is the truth. That's why we can go to the, to the truth of the Word of God. I have a Muslim friend. I love this guy. And I'll just be straight with you because this is humility. This guy is a member of the health club. He's completely jacked. He's a good-looking dude. And I had no idea, but he was suicidal. And I walked up to him. There'd be no sign. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, make a friend. And so I began to talk to him. He's fully Muslim. He believes in Islam. And I'm just walking through him. This, walking through this process with him. His name is Faton. I'm like, Faton do you think there's a heavenly father? He, he's like, yep. Do you think there must be an enemy? He's like, yes, there is. And I'm going to shorten this story a little bit. And I'm just loving on him. I'm, I'm loving him into the kingdom. Right? By faith, I'm loving him into the kingdom. I'm just representing Christ in me um, that one day he might find Christ. And I just tell you guys, it's working, it's working, it's working. He sends me scriptures from the Bible. I mean, he's Muslim. I'm at the point with, with him where I said, Fatone, a good father would always leave an instruction manual, right? It's absolutely. Choose you this day. There is no in-between, guys. It's either this word of God that is the instruction manual left by a good father through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, or it's the Quran. But I'll tell you, having read portions of the Quran, there's nothing in common between the two. There's nothing in common between the holy scriptures of the Quran and Islam in this, this word of God. See, the difference between Jesus and Muhammad is Jesus knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. Right. Amen? It's all you really have to say to a Muslim. Muhammad didn't know where he came from. He didn't know where he was going. One of his wives was a 10-year-old girl. And yet, many, many, many followers follow the study of Islam. But those same people are being drawn by the Holy Spirit through dreams at night. Jesus is showing up in their dreams in Muslim worlds. He's showing his nail-pierced hands because Jesus desires that none would perish and he's drawing all men unto himself. So all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And number three and final, welcome God's loving conviction. Welcome his conviction. Condemnation is from the enemy. When you feel like dark and, and depressed and oppressed, um, and there's nothing specific about how you're feeling, this is usually condemnation from the enemy. But this loving conviction of a gentle Holy Spirit is taking a specific area of your life and just putting 
his finger on this area. This is why we need the Holy Spirit actively working in our lives is because he brings conviction to our hearts. Why do you need the Holy Spirit according to John 14? He leads you in all truth. Why do you need the Holy Spirit according to John 14? He convicts the world of sin and righteousness. Proverbs 3, verses 11 through 12. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. If you want to walk in the fear of the Lord, these are three things that you can commit yourself to be disciplined in so that as you operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you don't fear man, you fear God. Every time I get on an airplane and I travel to the other side of the world, to Africa, wherever, there is this intimidation that comes against me and I, you know, I, just all these lies, like, well, why would they need me to be on an airplane? You know, what's so great about me? They could ask the pastor up the street that speaks the language that doesn't need an interpreter. And I go down this whole list of reasons why I should be disqualified. But I'll tell you one thing. It is the fear of the Lord that puts me on that plane in that little middle seat for like 22 hours. My back is killing me. And then, of course, the crying baby is always right next to me. And, but it is the fear of the Lord that allows me to step out in faith. And so, guys, I just want to encourage you also. I, I know that you're doing this stuff on, on some level, um, but I think don't, don't move into, like, performance orientation. Don't be like, oh, I just want to do more, do more, do more, do more. But I'm just saying let's walk in a place of, in a place of obedience. Amen? want to shift into, what's the timing, Brian? Sorry. What time do you end? Okay. All right. So I just want to shift that into because my, my assignment was to speak to you a little bit more on the prophetic. All right. The prophetic anointing is just one where you and I hear from God from ourselves. It's called firsthand revelation. When we pray, we hear from God and a good father speaks to his children. So we expect answers to prayer. We expect a Heavenly Father to be speaking to us. But the other thing is the Bible talks about this gift of prophecy. What a sweet little baby. <laughs> Hi, pumpkin. Um, so the second one is secondhand revelation. And that's when someone hears from God for you. This is called the gift of prophecy. There are many gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I believe that if you go from Genesis to Revelation, you'll find like 86 gifts of the Holy Spirit. We focus in on the power gifts that we find in 12, 13, and 14, but in reality, there's many, many, many more gifts, um, such as administration and leadership, and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, but the Bible is clear that we are to eagerly desire the gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And so I think it's important that the church really understands why we want to be a prophetic people. And so secondhand revelation is when I hear from God for you because God loves you. It's really simple. Isn't it cool that he would put this gift in the body of Christ because he loves you? Uh, Wimber, is it John or Paul? John Wimber said, when you minister the Holy Spirit, dial down. Don't dial up. Now, if you grew up in the Pentecostal Charismatic Church, it's in a black church one time, 
some of my closest buddies are black guys. Um, and ha having gone to their churches, Pentecostal churches, these folks get out of their chairs and run around the church because they caught the Holy Ghost. They caught the Holy Ghost. Every culture is different. Every expression is different. And you know what? Let people be people. Let people worship God in spirit and in truth the way God has anointed them. Um, yeah, so let, let people be who God created them to be. When we minister to other people, we dial it down. We don't need to ramp things up and stand on a chair and speak in louder voices necessarily. I talked yesterday about 1 Kings 19, which says when Elijah went into the cave and Jezebel was chasing after him, um, God said, first of all, why are you in the cave? And secondly said, uh, explained to Elijah that he, he could be found in the whisper, that Elijah was looking for him in the earthquake and the storm and the fire, but he said, I, I can be found in the whisper. So when we minister to other people, we minister from a place of humility, the fear of the Lord, having had our character established in the fire of God's goodness, and we dial it down a little bit. It doesn't have to be loud. Unless the person you're praying for is known to be um, clinically deaf, there's no reason to be yelling, right? Um, it actually... It actually is an indicator that you don't understand the authority that you have in Christ. Is that okay to say? You guys will still come back next Sunday. The reality is that when you yell, you indicate you don't understand the authority of Christ. Because the authority of Christ is that you can speak in a whisper and those things are accomplished. You know, Jesus said, be healed. That's all Jesus said was be healed. Now, this is the exciting news, guys. He said, I've given you all authority. No, you didn't hear me this morning. I said, the word of God says, I have given you all authority. Now you go do this stuff. You lay your hands on the sick. You see them recover. You cast out demons. You do those things because I've given you all authority. Right? All authority, not some authority, not a portion of authority. I have given you all authority. Now go do this stuff. Why is it so important that we need the prophetic? Well, people are losing their minds, right? I mean, people are genuinely losing their minds. They're, they're losing the control of their minds. They're not knowing what is truth. They're vacillating back and forth. They turn on the news. There's war in Israel, or is it Palestine, or is it the Gaza, or, you know, whose missile fired here, and what happened there, and, you know, well, first of all, guys, turn off the news, Amen. right? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Um, look up, look up, look up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Um, but the reason that we need the prophetic is because as things are getting a bit darker, um, is that we just need to know the light of God's goodness and the truth of God's word, sometimes through a prophetic word, sometimes through the word of God. The darkest thing you are facing, guys, hear me with this, the darkest thing that you are facing is seen by God in his perfect light. What does prophetic ministry look like? It's just catching a few of God's ideas for another person. It's just get, grabbing a couple things from God for that person. 
We prophesy in part, not in the whole. We don't know a whole person's life story. But what we are doing is just catching a few of God's thoughts and praying them out. The prophetic can be like jumper cables. We're simply putting the jumper cables on somebody and telling their heart to beat again. Who can prophesy? All persons can prophesy. Who can prophesy? All persons can prophesy. Who can be baptized in the Holy Spirit like on the day of Pentecost? How many were baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? All persons were baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The Bible says, earnestly desire the gifts. Are you earnestly desiring the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Bible says earnestly desire. We have to be obedient to the Word of God by operating, by hearing the Word of God and doing the Word of God. Earnestly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is the privilege that we have. We have a front row seat to what God is doing in another person's life. What a great example right here with this little pumpkin. I have a front row seat to what God's doing in her life. But the difference between my positioning here and maybe your positioning back there is that I've chosen to be a part of a front position, right? Not taking a back seat, but a front seat to, the, to another person's life. So you get a front row seat to what God is doing. I'm not sure if I've given you any numbers here, but just for fun, number four, because that's what my notes say. It's not about your identity. So when you minister to another person, it's not about your identity. It's not about making the gifts your identity. It's not about manipulation of any kind. It's not about you wanting to be liked. It's operating in the fear of the Lord so that another life is touched. See, the reason we need the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit working inside of us is, one is that it's for us. Right? We're praying always in the Spirit. The Bible says, build yourself up. And so we're doing that by praying in the Spirit. But out of the overflow of that is ministering to other people. That's why the Bible says, out of your belly will come rivers of living water. It bubbles forth out of you that you might edify yourself. But the overflow is for other people. And so we allow the Holy Spirit to bubble up inside of us. And then the river of life flows into the life of another person. We get a front row seat to what God is doing. It can't be about you. It has to be about others. You know, it's interesting. John never called himself an apostle or a prophet. He only called himself loved. Is that cool? We're after titles. We're after, we're after big gains. We're after, well, how do you identify yourself with a title? It, it is necessary in our culture, however... John never identified himself as an apostle or a prophet. He only called himself loved. This is a safe identity. This is the identity that God is asking us to identify with. That we are loved of God. We are favored sons and daughters. And it's by this that we move out and we touch the lives of other people. The overflow of the baptism of the Holy Spirit living inside of you will flow into the lives of more people. We do have to show up. We have to make sure that we walk in the fear of the Lord. And the very last one, sorry, two more. Step out in faith. 
it will always feel vulnerable when you minister to someone prophetically. And when you minister to somebody with any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you will always feel vulnerable. But the reality is, if you step out in faith, God will reward you in the open for what you've done in private. The Bible says he'll reward you for what you've done in private in the open. The other thing is don't make room for your gifts. He'll make room for your gifts. The Bible says if you have gifts of the Holy Spirit, let him make room for your gifts. You don't need to make room for your gifts by saying, by the way, I am a prophetic person. By the way, I have the gift of healing. If you're doing it in humility, perfectly fine. But don't, don't push your gifts on other people. Don't push the door open with your gifts. The Bible says he will make room for your gifts. The more you practice the gifts, the more proficient you will become. You never know if you have the gift of healing if you never lay your hands on the sick. How would you ever know if God wants to use you in healing if you just sit and think about it? You want to see people healed? Lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. Amen. Jesus said, greater things will you do because I've gone to my Father. Greater things will you guys do because he's gone to his Father. If you have the gift of healing, how will you ever know unless you lay your hands on the sick and see them recover? And then the very last point is be gentle. Don't violate trust. Speak in a positive way. Break off shame from people. Don't use God speak. Don't use all these Christianese words that nobody really understands. Bless you, brother. I mean, that's cool. You can say that. But, um, you know, let's just, let's keep it real. Let's keep it super, super, super real. Be gentle with people. Minister to them as though they were your own family. Guys, what I really want to say to you today is I want to see us all actively pursuing the kingdom of God and advancing the kingdom of God. And we have our own issues that step into place. We have issues of rejection. What if they don't like me? What if what I say is wrong? What if, what if, what if, what if? But in the contrary, what if what you say is not wrong? What you don't believe from the Word of God, you can't receive from the Word of God. If, if you look at the Word of God and, and you don't believe in, in water baptism, you may never be water baptized because you just don't believe it from the Word of God. What you believe from the Word, what you believe from the Word of God, you can receive from the Word of God. Jesus said, I've given you all authority. I've given you all authority, not some authority. Lay your hands on the sick, cast out demons, preach the gospel. These are the things that we're called to, not fearing man. And the gift of prophecy is one tool in your tool belt. We each should be wearing a tool belt where one has the gift of prophecy as a tool, the other one is the gift of healing. Whatever you're called to, God will tool you up so that you're prepared to minister to other people. The Holy Spirit living inside of you is not just for you. The overflow is for other people. And when you minister to other people, you minister with gentleness, kindness, patience, um, from an understanding of the Father's heart. Guys, we minister from a place of being loved, not trying to receive love. We minister to other people not for our own gain, but for their gain. We minister to other people because we understand that we're loved by a good heavenly Father, 
and that he loves others, so we allow him to flow through us. Today, do not let the fear of man trip you up, disable you, disqualify you. Let the fear of the Lord be the thing that causes you to walk in boldness and to move out into every sphere that God's called you to so that you might advance the kingdom of God and be kingdom advancers in your city, the nation, and the nations of the earth. Amen. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Yeah.